Chapter Fifteen of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Fifteen, Mato. There were rejoicings at Carthage, rejoicings deep, universal, extravagant, frantic the holes of the ruins had been stopped up the statues of the gods had been repainted the streets were strewn with myrtle branches incense smoked at the corners of the crossways and the throng on the terraces looked in their variegated garments like heaps of flowers blooming in the air the shouts of the water-carriers watering the pavement rose above the continual screaming of voices slaves belonging to hamilcar offered in his name roasted barley and pieces of raw meat people accosted one another and embraced one another with tears the tyrian towns were taken the nomads dispersed and all the barbarians annihilated the acropolis was hidden beneath coloured velaria the beaks of the triremes drawn up in line outside the mole shone like a dike of diamonds everywhere there was a sense of the restoration of order the beginning of a new existence and the diffusion of vast happiness it was the day of salambo's marriage with the king of the numidians on the terrace of the temple of Kamon there were three long tables laden with gigantic plate at which the priests ancients and the rich were to sit and there was a fourth and higher one for hamilcar narhavas and salambo for as she had saved her country by the restoration of the zaimph the people turned her wedding-day into a national rejoicing and were waiting in the square below till she should appear but their impatience was excited by another and more acrid longing mato's death has been promised for the ceremony it had been proposed at first to flay him alive to pour lead into his entrails to kill him with hunger he should be tied to a tree and an ape behind him should strike him on the head with a stone he had offended tanith and the cynocephaluses of tanith should avenge her others were of opinion that he should be led about on a dromedary after linen wicks dipped in oil had been inserted in his body in several places and they took pleasure in the thought of the large animal wandering through the streets with this man writhing beneath the fires like a candelabrum blown about by the wind but what citizens should be charged with his torture and why disappoint the rest they would have liked a kind of death in which the whole town might take part in which every hand every weapon everything carthaginian to the very paving-stones in the streets and the waves in the gulf could rend him and crush him and annihilate him 
accordingly the ancients decided that he should go from his prison to the square of carmon without any escort and with his arms fastened to his back it was forbidden to strike him to the heart in order that he might live the longer to put out his eyes so that he might see the torture through to hurl anything against his person or to lay more than three fingers upon him at a time although he was not to appear until the end of the day the people sometimes fancied that he could be seen and the crowd would rush towards the acropolis and empty the streets to return with lengthened murmurings some people had remained standing in the same place since the day before and they would call on one another from a distance and show their nails which they had allowed to grow the better to bury them in his flesh others walked restlessly up and down some were as pale as though they were awaiting their own execution suddenly lofty feather fans rose above the heads behind the mappalian district it was salambo leaving her palace a sigh of relief found vent but the procession was long in coming it marched with deliberation first there filed past the priests of the pataic guards then those of eskmoun of melkarth and all the other colleges in succession with the same insignia and in the same order as had been observed at the time of the sacrifice the pontiffs of moloch passed with heads bent and the multitude stood aside from them in a kind of remorse but the priests of rabetna advanced with a proud step and with lyres in their hands the priestesses followed them in transparent robes of yellow or black uttering cries like birds and writhing like vipers or else whirling around to the sound of flutes to imitate the dance of the stars while their light garments wafted puffs to delicate scents through the streets the kedeskim with painted eyelids who symbolized the hermaphrodism of the divinity received applause among these women and being perfumed and dressed like them they resembled them in spite of their flat breasts and narrower hips moreover on this day the female principle dominated and confused all things a mystic voluptuousness moved in the heavy air the torches were already lighted in the depth of the sacred woods there was to be a great celebration there during the night three vessels had brought courtesans from sicily and others had come from the desert as the colleges arrived they ranged themselves in the courts of the temples on the outer galleries and along double staircases which rose against the walls and drew together at the top files of white robes appeared between the colonnades and the architecture was peopled with human statues motionless as statues of stone then came the masters of the exchequer the governors of the provinces and all the rich a great tumult prevailed below 
adjacent streets were discharging the crowd hierodules were driving it back with blows of sticks and then salambo appeared in a litter surmounted by a purple canopy and surrounded by the ancients crowned with their golden tiaras thereupon an immense shout arose the cymbals and crotala sounded more loudly the tabourines thundered and the great purple canopy sank between the two pylons it appeared again on the first landing salambo was walking slowly beneath it then she crossed the terrace to take her seat behind on a kind of throne cut out of the carapace of a tortoise an ivory stool with three steps was pushed beneath her feet two negro children knelt on the edge of the first step and sometimes she would rest both arms which were laden with rings of excessive weight upon their heads from ankle to hip she was covered with a network of narrow meshes which were in imitation of fish scales and shone like mother-of-pearl her waist was clasped by a blue zone which allowed her breasts to be seen through two crescent-shaped slashings the nipples were hidden by carbuncle pendants she had a head-dress made of peacock's feathers studded with gems an ample cloak as white as snow fell behind her and with her elbows at her sides her knees pressed together and circles of diamonds on the upper part of her arms she remained perfectly upright in a hieratic attitude her father and her husband were on two lower seats narhavas dressed in a light simar and wearing his crown of rock-salt from which there strayed two tresses of hair as twisted as the horns of ammon and hamilcar in a violet tunic figured with gold vine branches and with a battle-sword at his side the python of the temple of eskmoun lay on the ground amid pools of pink oil in the space enclosed by the tables and biting its tail described a large black circle in the middle of the circle there was a copper pillar bearing a crystal egg and as the sun shone upon it rays were emitted on every side behind salambo stretched the priests of tanith in linen robes on her right the ancients in their tiaras formed a great gold line and on the other side the rich with their emerald sceptres a great green line while quite in the background where the priests of moloch were ranged the cloaks looked like a wall of purple the other colleges occupied the lower terraces the multitude obstructed the streets it reached to the house-tops and extended in long files to the summit of the acropolis having thus the people at her feet the firmament above her head and around her the immensity of the sea the gulf the mountains and the distant provinces salambo in her splendour was blended with tanith and seemed the very genius of carthage and its embodied soul 
the feast was to last all night and lamps with several branches were planted like trees on the painted woolen cloths which covered the low tables large electrum flagons blue glass amphoras tortoise-shell spoons and small round loaves were crowded between the double row of pearl-bordered plates bunches of grapes with their leaves had been rolled around ivory vine-stocks after the fashion of the thyrsus blocks of snow were melting on ebony trays and lemons pomegranates gourds and watermelons formed hillocks beneath the lofty silver plate boars with open jaws were wallowing in the dust of spices hares covered with their fur appeared to be bounding amid the flowers there were shells filled with forcemeat the pastry had symbolic shapes when the covers of the dishes were removed doves flew out the slaves meanwhile with tunics tucked up were going about on tiptoe from time to time a hymn sounded on the lyres or a choir of voices rose the clamour of the people continuous as the noise of the sea floated vaguely around the feast and seemed to lull it in a broader harmony some recalled the banquet of the mercenaries they gave themselves up to dreams of happiness the sun was beginning to go down and the crescent of the moon was already rising in another part of the sky but salambo turned her head as though some one had called her the people who were watching her followed the direction of her eyes the door of the dungeon hewn in the rock at the foot of the temple on the summit of the acropolis had just opened and a man was standing on the threshold of this black hole he came forth bent double with the scared look of fallow deer when suddenly enlarged the light dazzled him he stood motionless a while all had recognized him and they all held their breath in their eyes the body of this victim was something peculiarly theirs and was adorned with almost religious splendour they bent forward to see him especially the women they burned to gaze upon him who had caused the deaths of their children and husbands and from the bottom of their souls there sprang up in spite of themselves an infamous curiosity a desire to know him completely a wish mingled with remorse which turned to increased execration at last he advanced then the stupefaction of surprise disappeared numbers of arms were raised and he was lost to sight the staircase of the acropolis had sixty steps he descended them as though he were rolled down in a torrent from the top of a mountain three times he was seen to leap and then he alighted below on his feet his shoulders were bleeding his breast was panting with great shocks 
and he made such efforts to burst his bonds that his arms which were crossed on his naked loins swelled like pieces of a serpent several streets began in front of him leading from the spot at which he found himself in each of them a triple row of bronze chains fastened to the navels of the pataic guards extended in parallel lines from one end to the other the crowd was massed against the houses and servants belonging to the ancients walked in the middle brandishing thongs one of them drove him forward with a great blow Mato began to move they thrust their arms over the chains shouting out that the road had been left too wide for him and he passed along felt pricked and slashed by all those fingers when he reached the end of one street another appeared several times he flung himself to one side to bite them they speedily dispersed the chains held him back and the crowd burst out laughing a child rent his ear a young girl hiding the point of a spindle in her sleeve split his cheek they tore handfuls of hair from him and strips of flesh others smeared his face with sponges steeped in filth and fastened upon sticks a stream of blood started from the right side of his neck frenzy immediately set in this last barbarian was to them a representative of all the barbarians and all the army they were taking vengeance on him for their disasters their terrors and their shame the rage of the mob developed with its gratification the curving chains were overstrained and were on the point of breaking the people did not feel the blows of the slaves who struck at them to drive them back some clung to the projections of the houses all the openings in the walls were stopped up with heads and they howled at him the mischief that they could not inflict upon him it was atrocious filthy abuse mingled with ironical encouragements and imprecations and his present tortures not being enough for them they foretold to him others that should be still more terrible in eternity this vast baying filled carthage with stupid continuity frequently a single syllable a hoarse deep and frantic intonation would be repeated for several minutes by the entire people the walls would vibrate with it from top to bottom and both sides of the street would seem to Mato to be coming against him and carrying him off the ground like two immense arms stifling him in the air nevertheless he remembered that he had experienced something like it before the same crowd was on the terraces there were the same looks and the same wrath but then he had walked free all had then dispersed for a god covered him and the recollection of this gaining precision by degrees brought a crushing sadness upon him shadows passed before his eyes 
the town whirled round in his head his blood streamed from a wound in his hip he felt that he was dying his hands bent and he sank quite gently upon the pavement some one went to the peristyle of the temple of melkarth took thence the bar of a tripod heated red-hot in the coals and slipping it beneath the first chain pressed it against his wound the flesh was seen to smoke the hootings of the people drowned his voice he was standing again six paces further on and he fell a third and again a fourth time but some new torture always made him rise they discharged little drops of boiling oil through tubes at him they strewed pieces of broken glass beneath his feet still he walked on at the corner of the street of sartip he leaned his back against the wall beneath the penthouse of a shop and advanced no further the slaves of the council struck him with their whips of hippopotamus leather so furiously and long that the fringes of their tunics were drenched with sweat matho appeared insensible suddenly he started off and began to run at random making a noise with his lips like one shivering with severe cold he threaded the street of boots and the street of sopo crossed the green market and reached the square of carmon he now belonged to the priests the slaves had just dispersed the crowd and there was more room matho gazed around him and his eyes encountered salambo at the first step that he had taken she had risen then as he approached she had involuntarily advanced by degrees to the edge of the terrace and soon all external things were blotted out and she saw only matho silence fell in her soul one of those abysses wherein the whole world disappears beneath the pressure of a single thought a memory a look this man who was walking towards her attracted her excepting his eyes he had no appearance of humanity left he was a long perfectly red shape his broken bonds hung down his thighs but they could not be distinguished from the tendons of his wrists which were laid quite bare his mouth remained wide open from his eye-sockets there darted flames which seemed to rise up to his hair and the wretch still walked on he reached the foot of the terrace salambo was leaning over the balustrade those frightful eyeballs were scanning her and there rose within her a consciousness of all that he had suffered for her although he was in his death-agony she could see him once more kneeling in his tent encircling her waist with his arms and stammering out gentle words she thirsted to feel them and to hear them again she did not want him to die at this moment matho gave a great start 
she was on the point of shrieking aloud he fell backwards and did not stir again salambo was borne back nearly swooning to her throne by the priests who flocked about her they congratulated her it was her work all clapped their hands and stamped their feet howling her name a man darted upon the corpse although he had no beard he had the cloak of a priest of moloch on his shoulder and in his belt that species of knife which they employed for cutting up the sacred meat and which terminated at the end of the handle in a golden spatula he cleft matho's breast with a single blow then snatched out the heart and laid it upon the spoon and shahabarim uplifting his arm offered it to the sun the sun sank behind the waves his rays fell like long arrows upon the red heart as the beatings diminished the planet sank into the sea and at the last palpitation it disappeared then from the gulf to the lagoon and from the isthmus to the pharos in all the streets on all the houses and on all the temples there was a single shout sometimes it paused to be again renewed the buildings shook with it carthage was convulsed as it were in the spasm of titanic joy and boundless hope narhavas drunk with pride passed his left arm beneath salambo's waist in token of possession and taking a gold patera in his right hand he drank to the genius of carthage salambo rose like her husband with a cup in her hand to drink also she fell down again with her head lying over the back of the throne pale stiff with parted lips and her loosened hair hung to the ground thus died hamilcar's daughter for having touched the mantle of tanith end of chapter fifteen end of salambo by gustave flaubert read by caroline in oslo norway and groningen the netherlands begun in april two thousand twelve and finished on the third of august two thousand thirteen thank you for listening